0: Chris Paul gets it done versus the Zombie Jazz. The Pelicans get another big win. The Bulls barely survive the Thunder. And, oh, yes, those Cavaliers, they keep on rolling. This is Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA on the Locked On Podcast Network. Glad to have you with us, and thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. We're free, and we're available on all platforms. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network and the host of Locked On Nuggets. He's David Ramil, host of Locked On Heat. You can find him on Twitter at drimmel 13 David, we did not have 15 games on the slate, unlike last week. We had a nice, a a sensible meal for us to devour tonight. But some good games on the slate headlined by what should have been a heavyweight matchup between the Jazz and the Suns. Instead, no Donovan Mitchell, no Rudy Gobert, no Mike Conley, no Royce O'Neal, no John Stockton, no Karl Malone, no Andre Kirilenko. Uh, no Carlos Boozer, nobody, everybody was out for the Jazz. And yet what was left of the Jazz, very impressively, made a game of this and were actually leading in the second half of this game.
1: Yeah, uh, impressive run there. They've started Hassan Whiteside. He had an okay game, but Jordan Clarkson actually started and had 22 points for them. Looking a little inefficient shooting for him, but he was their leading scorer. They just had some nice contributions all over and they were able to chip in, keep Phoenix from uh, doing what they wanted to do comfortably in that second half, but eventually they wound, uh, found a way to pull away from the Jazz, or what was left of the Utah Jazz anyway. So cp 3 goes
0: for 27 points, mm-hmm. 9 rebounds, 14 assists, with a steal on 10 of 17 shooting. I, I got to be honest with you. You, you put yep. those numbers up and you're like, I, if you tell me Mitchell and Gobert and O'Neill and Conley and Bogdanovich, they're all out. All the starters are out yeah. and the suns get that kind of a stat line from CP three. I would think it was a blowout. I, to be honest with you, like I'm not entirely, the one thing I can say is just the rest of the suns were really off. Like outside of cam Johnson, Devin Booker had a really rough night shooting the basketball.
1: Yeah, still finished with 33 points, but only 3 of 13 from three-point range. So that long-range shot was not connecting there. Uh, Bismack Biombo, as we talked about last week, though, uh, he continues to have an impressive run where the Phoenix Suns finished with 16 points on 7 of 10 shooting. Uh, Paul spoke about it after the game, how he was able to incorporate biz into the rotation there. Just said, you know, just dive hard, play well. I'll get you the ball. I will find you and make things happen. Certainly that was the case tonight when Biombo had a really strong showing to help them kind of pull away. And look, he was a difference maker there. They needed all 16 of those points because during those crucial stretches when they weren't able to just pull uh, pull away from the Jazz, uh, it was Biombo who helped kind of keep them afloat. Jared Butler, rookie for the Jazz,
0: he he's gonna be good. Like there, he was he was pretty hyped coming into the draft class as like a sleeper candidate. I thought he was very good tonight. Um, finished yeah. 13 points on five of nine shooting, showed some real stuff. I thought Eric Paschal continues to really impress. Yeah. Like he was a former warrior, he's been really good. And I think that there's like something there with what he can give them off the bench because it was really kind of their bench that got them back into this game. The starters for the Jazz had that very much like. And all of our guys are out, and it's uh, Tuesday. It's Monday night in Phoenix, and okay, um, but this—I I thought the bench played with a lot of hustle and a lot of heart.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I, I've always said with Pasco that I thought he would be. I maybe mean, this is overstating a little bit, but a difference maker because we've seen what happens. In the playoffs will go bare, et cetera. Then you get a, a guy like Whiteside who, uh, you know, adequate as a rim protector, but you also have to incorporate drop coverage. And he doesn't do much offensively other than just, you know, put back the ball on occasion. You can run pick and roll with him, but he's a little bit slower uh, not as agile as he once was. But Pascal is a difference maker to me in that you can go with smaller lineups and maybe not get played off the floor. As we've seen the jazz, am I overthinking this or do you think he could be a contributor in the playoffs to kind of help establish the jazz as a legitimate title contender this year?
0: I mean, I think they need as many options as they can get to. I think that this has been like, to me is the big missing piece is that they have a system that works so well mm-hmm. and they want to rely on the system. That's got them there. They want to dance with the one that wrung them sure. so to speak. But I think in the playoffs more than ever, it's become about, can you solve different problems? Like what kind of answers do you have for the test? You can't have just one. You can't just be like, well, we're going to do what we do really, really well. You can't do that. It just, it's not feasible with what things are the rule changes, the different schemes, all these type of things. Um, and so because the, the play styles are kind of varied, you need to have different answers for that. I think, he does give them kind of a different look and that physicality can maybe be a difference maker because honestly, sometimes in these playoff games, it's not, can you be a plus 20 or can you give them 35 minutes? It's look, can you play 15 minutes right. and be a plus six? Cause that six right. point differential could wind up being like the difference in a win or a loss. And that win or a loss
1: could be the difference in a series. Yeah. Um, Look, I mean, it's hard to take away anything concrete from this game. I'll have you, I mean, be honest with you. I I mean, given the fact that Utah was missing as many of their players, the fact that they were able to stay in it is kind of a testament to them, but they've been struggling uh, lately. You know, obviously, I think three and seven over the last 10 games, missing all these key players. That's certainly been a big part of it. Uh, You know, Mitchell has his issues as well. And I I think there are legitimate concerns there, but I, I still see the Jazz as a strong contender in the Western conference. And certainly there are a couple of others there, including Phoenix. I mean, maybe we're, we're kind of focusing more on the jazz here and not necessarily on what the Suns have been able to do, because I mean, they continue to just beat the hell out of opponents here. I mean, maybe they didn't uh, crush the jazz tonight, but uh, I mean, they're league, you know, league leading record here and just continue to find ways to improve.
0: That's been like their entire thing is like, they're not, you know, they're not annihilating teams. And that's not a knock against them because they've been so consistent. Like, they have the best record in the NBA, right? Yeah. And they're not – there's no – there aren't statistical signifiers under the hood that you can look yeah. at and go, are they that good? And you don't watch them and go, like, okay, yeah, but are they really that good? Like, you watch them and you just go, this is a really good basketball team. You're yep. not like – the way I have kind of described them is they're not explosive. Right. That, I think, is why they don't get as much pub, pub right? Yep. But – I think that that's it's a, I think it's an asset really in that they don't need those big runs. Now, like they have two, they have 22 double digit wins this season. So it's not like they haven't blown teams out. They've won by double digits (laughs) 22 times. Um, But I do think that on some level they are less explosive than maybe, you know, at their very peak, what the bucks look like or the warriors in particular, when they actually look good, Um, they don't look as explosive, but, they just keep hitting you. And like tonight's a good example of this. It, it was a letdown spot, right? Like none of the jazz are playing. It's a letdown spot. Those guys look across the, across, and are, and I always talk about this about how, when all of the guys are missing, there's like, a, there's a psychological yeah. edge and that the team relaxes. And I've yeah. also from talking to players, they've told me that they're like, well, to be honest with you, I didn't know how to guard them because they're not on the front page of the scouting report. Like most guys, even like the the good defenders, are only going to look at like one or two pages on the scouting report. It's all you have time for. And so like you get down to Trent Forrest and you're like, I don't know. I haven't seen this kid play before. And so you get completely caught off guard. But um, either way.
1: You you had an interesting tweet earlier this week. I just remembered that Uh, you said that maybe we could see the possibility of the last two NBA Finals losers in the Finals this year, uh, meaning the Suns and, of course, the team that I cover, the Miami Heat. Uh, do you see any kind of parallels there? Because even as you're talking about the fact that they're not blowing out teams, I saw that happen with Miami just last night when they took on the Los Angeles Lakers at home. They were blowing them out, and then surely enough they took their foot off their gas a little bit, kind of what the Suns did tonight, too. Uh, you know, and, and, and the Lakers were able to creep back in there. Of course, it helps when they have that LeBron guy on that roster, but uh, I think Miami certainly shows a lot of the same it's not a surprise right given that James Jones has built that team and you've got a guy like Kyle Lowry you've got a guy like uh you know Chris Paul obviously you've got Devin Booker you've got Tyler Hero who patterned his game after Booker etc I mean there's some parallels there why is it that you think that they could be representing the respective conferences in the finals
0: I think in the east um as great as Milwaukee is, I still look at the heat and I go, even after last year, right? Yeah. And I go, okay, they've kind of started to realize that Duncan might not be, what's the word? Playable. And so if Duncan's not like the guy, then, right. and they got Max Struess and he's playing really well. Um, Having Jimmy... Having a team that knows, like, we can beat this team. And the, the Heat are just yeah. such dogs. They'll approach that matchup. Yeah. Having guys that will take charges in the lane. You add Kyle oh. Lowry. like You basically ha- you have Kyle Lowry from the team before oh, yeah. that beat the Bucs and the last team to beat the Bucs in the playoffs. So you have, like, this conglomeration of basically the anti Bucks here. Now, Drew, I think, provides a different dynamic in this, and it would be a great right. series. But I think that they're live there. Um, I've really kind of attached on to the stat, which is that uh, head to head, Bam out of bio is six and three versus Joel Embiid lifetime. Yeah, and to me, there's something to that. Now, it's not that Bam, it's not like if you look at the numbers, it's like it's like Embiid has like 27 and 14 and just like dominant, like it's Embiid, right? Right, right. But some of the efficiency is like a little bit lower. Um, and with how Jimmy knows how to play him, I think that that matters. So there's like all of these little things, and then you look at Brooklyn. And I just don't believe in their front court. I just don't. Okay. I just think the Bam Adebayo, right. if he, if he, if he, if he chooses to assert himself, could be really dominant in that series. And so I think that they're alive. And then the Western Conference. Look, Steph's a mess right now. Like the video that today right. came out about his shooting is just like, oh no, what is going on? Draymond's right. got a back issue. That's frightening. And then yeah. the rest of the West. Like I don't think that anybody else in the Western Conference is in the Suns' class. Not the Jazz. Not the Nuggets. Nobody like there's nobody that's in the sun's class. Maybe somebody can get there, but to me, the suns need to be the favorite to win the West. They're not, they should be. And right. I think the heater live. I, I could see those two teams getting the right series of matchups uh and reaching the finals.
1: No, I have to agree a hundred percent there. That's a, an interesting analysis there. And I'm just, I, you know, I'm just curious because I do see some of the similarities in, in the in terms of how they play opponents and everything else. And, you know, they play defense pretty well, et cetera. So, I mean, it's a, it would be, a, I think, a very interesting and great matchup. Not just because I cover the heat. <laughs> but especially because I cover the heat. Uh, yeah. Let's take a break. We'll come back and
0: we'll talk more about tonight's NBA action. We'll get to the Bulls and the Pelicans and all sorts of stuff. We'll do that when we come back on Locked on NBA. But first, we we'll want to tell you about prize picks. You know, you've been hearing us tell you about prize picks for months. Have you guys signed up yet? Because if you haven't, now is the perfect time. For a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive, no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point, but you gotta use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans only who use code NBA. Price Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. They offer more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator, and they offer all the superstar players as well as the bench guys. Price Picks offers any prop that you can think of from points, assists, rebounds, threes made, anything. You pick two to five players and over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on an entry, and it's just you. Versus the projected numbers. Go to prizepicks.com today or go to your app store and download the app. All users that deposit and use our code NBA will get $50 free if your first prize picks entry scores a single point. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. <laughs> Here on Locked On NBA, thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and we are available on all platforms. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern, and it's gonna be busy. Locked on NBA will be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, and NBA veteran Antonio Daniels and get analysis from on every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Locked On NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you can know when they go live. Back here with David Rimmel breaking down Monday night's action in the NBA. Uh, Why don't we go out to Oklahoma City, David? And we'll check in with Bulls and the Thunder. I did not catch this one. Uh, I'm not surprised that the Thunder hung in here. But tell me how it is that the Bulls managed to escape with a
1: win, given how banged up they are. Well, I mean, one night after losing to the Orlando Magic, the Bulls were back at it. No DeMar DeRozan, no Lonzo Ball, of course, no Alex Caruso. And while the Bulls and Nikola Vucevic were struggling, they still managed to build a 10-point lead at the half. I thought this would be an easy win for them, but as you pointed out, they just wouldn't give up. But you know what? In the third quarter, Vooch actually turned into the two-time all-star that everybody expected him to be. He was phenomenal passing to the right guys, finding open cutters, finding guys out in the perimeter, hitting shots from the perimeter himself. He was a huge difference maker in the third quarter, and the Bulls wind up pulling away to a 28-point lead. I thought this game was over. No, not so fast. Of course, the Thunder hung in there, kept getting big plays. The Bulls absolutely fell apart there. Just couldn't seem to get anything going. Zach Levine had entered the uh, locker room with a cut above his eyes, wound up returning later on with stitches. He couldn't hit a shot down the stretch either. And the Thunder just kept you know, chipping away, slowly but surely, getting buckets from Lou Doerr, Kendrick Williams, uh, everybody. Josh Giddy wound up hitting a shot with about seven seconds left to cut the lead to one. It was that close down in the stretch. And then finally the Bulls were able to pull away. They got a free throw down the stretch there to get that one-point win. That's all they needed. And it's uh, it was just enough. I I don't... Look, it was... I, I looked at this game, and I was thinking to myself in that first half as Vucevic was struggling. I was like, man, he just can't seem to pull it together there. And then, of course, he completely flips the script on me, and I'm, I'm seeing him turned into the player that everybody wanted him to be when they acquired him, when they traded away that huge package to Orlando last year in order to get this version of the player. Of course, that's been so inconsistent and it didn't matter anyway. And then from the flip side of that, I'm thinking to myself about watching the Thunders, like they can't possibly get anything out of this. You know, I know they're tanking, etc. I know they're not necessarily invested in winning the season, but how can you get a lesson out of a game where you're losing by almost 30 points? And then, sure enough, they wound up coming back and chipping away and just doing all the right things, making the right plays at the right time and showing real progress there for a young team that might not be building towards anything right now but is slowly building towards something down in the future anyway. So it was a an eye-opener of a game for me because, again, Vucimich had a huge game, and the Thunder showed real pluck. I mean, that's just who they've been all season long. They just keep finding ways to challenge teams and not necessarily finding a way to beat them. So it was a good game, much better game than I expected to.
0: OKC is not nearly as far away, I think, as probably the casual fan would think. Um, I think yeah. their whole approach is they're they're being patient and trying to wait as long as possible so they can get the right superstar to add around them. With Shea, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, if they get basically if at any point Sam Presti was like, "All right, you know what? Let's try and win some games. Uh, let's mm-hmm. add some shooting," and they did that, like they would they would be pretty competitive because from a top down, you watch the thunder and you do not like, unlike a lot of teams that for long stretches, you do not watch the thunder and go, these guys don't know what they're doing, but they have no clue. Yeah. Like they're just lost and just like going through the motions. Like they're organized. And that's, I think a positive thing. You talked about Vooch there. Um, I, his, he's had such a rough season. Just, oh, I, and I honestly think that a lot of it was the COVID because he had a bout with it. He was struggling before he was diagnosed positive yeah. and since then he just has not been right and this is a guy that's been like he was a metronome you know this from from the time and all those you know division games with the heat like he's a metronome he's been so consistent and for him to be this far off like I have to think that there's something going on and Bulls fans have been really frustrated with him so maybe this is a turning point for him having to put the team on his shoulders on, instead of being you know the third or fourth wheel on the team.
1: Yeah, I wish I had the tweet right now about Jason Pratt, who does a great job covering the Bulls, had an amazing statistic about Vooch uh, and wins versus Vooch and losses. Boy, that is a huge discrepancy. I think he's shooting something like 23. Oh, here it is. He's at 46% shooting overall and wins 38% from three <laughs> and losses, just 38% from the field and 23% Oof. from three. That is a huge drop off. This is, that, this yeah. is they're, they're living and dying by what Vooch can contribute on a nightly basis. And so that's kind of tricky. And now that, you know, you've got DeMar, look, he was out for rest. Levine is Levine. Uh, you know, you're, you're missing some key parts there in Caruso and Ball. I think they'll be fine. But, you know, the East is awfully competitive at the top there. And I think for the team, like the, a team like the Bulls in particular, they they need home court advantage a lot more than I think the other three teams that are competing in them in Miami, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. At least that's just my take on it. So it's tough to say that the, you know, the Vooch is going to be a central figure in their quest for a title or even a deep playoff run. But it kind of seems that that's the case.
0: In New Orleans, Pelicans got mm. another win. This team is surprisingly not bad. <laughs> That's mm. the best way I can put it by it. Like the Pelicans are five and five in their last 10. They've been on a, a roll when they're fully healthy. Their yeah. starting lineup is actually really pretty good. Uh, they're just two games back of the Blazers for the 10th spot in the Western Conference and a play in spot. Like it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Pelicans can make a run to the play-in and that's before factoring in the, the, I don't know what, I, I don't know if it's a slim possibility. Well, it's definitely not slim. I'll say that but <laughs> whatever possibility there is of Zion coming back, you know, I, I think they're absolutely live. They got, they get another win tonight. Yeah. Um, this, this Pacers team was, it's bad. Uh, a lot of injuries, a yeah. lot, lot of injuries yeah. for this team. When you look at, yeah. at what, who they had on the floor tonight, like Chris Duarte, was trying to carry them and and even he didn't play like all that much like their pick and roll coverage was very very sloppy my big takeaways yeah. from this game are, are largely that um herb jones is yeah. awesome he's good just yeah he's good awesome he made so many plays tonight like he got an offensive rebound and then had a wraparound pass to Devontae Graham in the corner for a three pointer uh, he yeah. has he had a couple of incredible box outs on Goga like he just he just does those guys that you can watch and say they make winning plays. And that's such like a cliche yeah. thing. And what it is is that Jones makes, makes those plays where he doesn't have to be like, what an incredible shot. It's stuff that if you watch a lot of basketball, you know, that those things help. That's what he does. He's so good defensively. He's so good. At, like he's efficient. I, I was really yeah.
1: wowed by Herb Jones. tonight. No, no. I mean, and you need those guys, right? I mean, every, every year, When a team makes a deep run in the playoffs, it's always about one of those players that kind of finds a way to stand out. Yeah, you need your superstars to come up big. And maybe that's the problem with New Orleans right now is that they don't have that superstar because they were banking on Zion to be that player. And, you know, Brandon Ingram was out tonight. But a guy like Herb Jones can certainly find a way to contribute. And that's why they've been so good lately. They're getting just steady contributions from guys like him. Jonas Valanciunas, Devontae Graham, as you mentioned before, he had a big game, 25 points, 8 of 14 from the field, 5 of 9 from three-point range, so a great night for him. It's good to have those guys. They're building towards something. I'm just, I mean, are, are they? What's the end goal here? Because we keep hearing that there might be LinkedIn trade talks, but they're not. They're not banking on any, any kind of big acquisition this year. I mean, are they buyers? Are they sellers? Are they just going to kind of stand pat at this point and hope that Zion comes back maybe, and that they could actually make a deep push in the playoffs I'm, I'm not sure what to make of this team look i, I don't want to talk about the pacers because the pacers are a mess as you mentioned before we <laughs> talk about them every week every week they come up on our sl- a slot a of games to cover and i'm just tired of it because i don't know what to make of it oh here's a question for you does rick carlisle stay with this pacers team beyond this year because i'm not sure that he does like I, I'm, I'm not reporting anything but it yeah. has to be an exhausting process for him that's this is not what he signed up for when he joined this team uh, I've been very surprised.
0: This team has struggled so much. Like I'm, yeah. I've been very surprised that Carlisle team has been this undisciplined and failed in the clutch so badly and looked like just rough. Like for whatever right. reason, it just has not clicked. And yeah, I will say, great coaches don't work everywhere. And if you want proof yeah. of that, like look at Mike D'Antoni. Right, he leaves the Suns. He winds up with the with the Knicks. Was doing well there. Clashes with Melo. Gets forced out. Goes to the Lakers while he was recovering from knee surgery and on painkillers, I always tell that story as like a reminder. Don't make serious life decisions when you're on painkillers folks. Um, The Lakers thing was a disaster. Yeah. He's out for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden he pops back up with the rockets and then he, he gets them to the doorstep again of the finals. So, you know, great coaches. I think it's not always the best fit. I think Rick thought going back to Indiana, but this team just does not, does not have it. Um, With the pals, you know, you ask an interesting question of like, what's the end goal? no one really knows. I'll say this. Like there's been a lot of questions of no one really knows what it is that David Griffin's looking for. Is he looking for a home run hit? Is he looking for like, I'll say this there, there is a, a feeling that nobody outside of Zion is necessarily off the table that you can make mm. a call about anybody. And I do wonder if Josh Hart in particular is going to get a lot of attention. Cause he's playing great right now. 22 points tonight. Thought he was absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, it's funny tonight, the, the Pelicans, um, had a worse effective field goal percentage than the Pacers. They, <laughs> they, they really did not shoot well from the field. Devante Graham was very good, but overall, yeah, like it. it was kind of a, a choppy game, but they just kind of like won on the hustle plays. And that yeah. was a lot of it. Um, kind of a weird, it, I will say this. It was, it was very much uh, a strange game. The Pels got 15 points in transition and that was really all she wrote. They outscored the, the Pacers by seven points in transition, and that was kind of it. Um, so, yeah, that's, Graham, that's all I got on the Falcons.
1: Yeah, Graham, five of nine, the rest of the team, one of 21. Not great.
0: Not great shooting. But I will say, like, I, even though they were shooting terribly, I still felt like, you know, it's Valentinus was very good in this game. Yeah. But they're not a bad team. They're just not. They're not a bad, like, I'll, I'll say right now, like, I feel – I enjoy watching them a lot more than I do the Kings right now because the Kings are so frustrating in terms of being the sure. Kings. The Pelicans don't feel like that. They're not like a constant letdown. When they're healthy, not a bad team there in New Orleans. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the Knicks and the Cavaliers and wrap up here on Locked On NBA. But first, I do want to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC. Don't wait. Take advantage of the amazing offers available for 2022. I just want to note you know, on a, a gambling note that I jumped on the Suns early when I knew that the Jazz were going to arrest everybody because Gobert got banged up. I got the Suns minus seven. That closed at Suns minus 12 and a half, and I still didn't win. I got five and a half points of closing line value, and the Jazz without everybody covered that game. NBA regular season, David. It's fantastic. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. We'll be right back on Lock On NBA. Thanks for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free, and it's available on all platforms. Final segment here with David Ramil back in, uh, uh wrapping up on a Monday night on all the NBA action. Close game, interesting game. Uh, yeah. Kind of a slugfest, but I actually really enjoyed it. New York Knicks fall to the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavaliers... Just keep on rolling, David. They get another win. 95, 93. Uh, I have a couple of key takeaways from this one. I'm gonna hit you rapid fire uh, style with some of these takes, okay? All right, uh, I want to hear them. Tom Thibodeau is committing malpractice by not
1: playing Obi Toppin more. Good point. Like he he came in there and he was like a, a factor right away in the first half. He provided like I think he hit two three pointers almost within a couple minutes of being inserted, had a big rebound, big defensive possession there. Just I, I He just seems to be a guy who can make an impact. And I know he's been somewhat inconsistent, but fans are clamoring for him to get more minutes. And yet Thibodeau refuses to play him more. I'm, I'm not sure I understand why. But I know maybe, I, I think he just keeps going to his veterans. I mean, you get Taj Gibson playing significant minutes and yet Toppin not getting nearly as much. So I, I'm not sure what to make of it there. Plus 20 night, They were plus 20 with Obi Toppin on the floor and they lost
0: by two. Like... Yeah. Man, I, I'm not saying that you gotta follow the 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 numbers or especially the plus minus all the time. I get it. I'm just saying that that one that that's a little rough there, not to be like, hey, maybe we should stick with the guy that brung us. I know that him only playing 15 minutes is just wild to me. Um my second take for you is that. I am depressed by this as a longtime Julius Randle guy, but oh boy, oh. the Julius Randle oh. thing in New York may be already be over. Grand opening, grand closing.
1: I I don't know. Like I was watching that final possession there, and I'm just like, that's that's the play you wanted. Like, and I don't even understand yeah. how it played out. Like they inbounded to him, and he's like eight feet behind a three-point line. It's like I mean, if, you're, if all you're going to do is take a contested shot that's going to rim out anyway, can't you take it from a little bit closer? Like, I mean, you're strong enough. You can create that space, right? You've got a second and a half left to get a decent look. And you take that shot, and it's just, I mean, 6 of 17. I was thinking, as even as I'm watching the whole game, it's like, does anybody have more routinely bad shot selection in the league this year than Julius Randle? Because it just seems like every time he feels like – every t- every shot from him feels like a heat check. And there's those times where he puts his head down, bullets his way to the basket, and it's like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. He's really, really damn good. He was, he was there for most of last season, and yet you watch him play consistently now. It's just this barrage of bad shots – Bad timing, just looks disjointed. Something's wrong with Randall right now. He just can't seem to figure out his fit on the floor, and it looks uncomfortable to say the least. Evan Mobley, once
0: again, fantastic. Uh the, like the numbers aren't gonna jump off the page, but you just watch Evan Mobley and you're like, this guy's so good. Like he's just yeah. he's just so good. he was a minus 10 tonight, right? Like 15 points, six to twelve shooting, uh, twelve rebounds, five assists. He was on the on the floor for that big run. So I get it, yeah. but just Evan Mobley is one of the honestly, Evan Mobley is is rapidly climbing my chart of most fun players to watch. Like he's in the top fifteen and climbing right now. There are very few guys that I get more excited to watch night and night out than a, than rookie Evan Mobley. Slim Duncan is everything he's cracked
1: up to be. Yeah, 38 minutes uh he's always going to have at least a memorable play if not a few during the course of the game whether it's a rebound or I mean, a surprising dunk a great cut something that shows incredible maturity from a rookie player. He just seems to understand the game at a high level and this is I don't think people expected him to be this good this quickly. Like there was always potential there with that size that tantalizing combination of skills, but he's just found a way to be so impactful in the minutes that he's played. I mean, look, I know Raptors fans would disagree, but I think he's the runaway pick for rookie of the year at this point. You know, we
0: mentioned uh, Julius Randle there, and he comes back around, which is Love continues to give them really good minutes off of the bench. I got here one for you. This is via Second Spectrum. Uh, On 24 matchups, Julius Randle guarded Kevin Love. 24 matchups. Love scored 17 points on those matchups. 17 points out of 24, to- like, that's not like 24 times that Kevin Love tried to attack him. That's just like 24 possessions. Uh, he-, he scored 17 points on eight shots versus Julius Randle. The team scored 34 points on those 24 possessions with a, check this, 94% effective field goal percentage. Kevin Love absolutely cooked. Got all of those open pick and pop situations. Randle couldn't cover the space. Kevin that's- Love, though, really, you know, it's crazy because if you told me that Kevin Love is playing like this, I'd be like, oh, this is really great. He's going to get traded because obviously the Cavs are terrible. And instead, right. it's like, no, oh, like Kevin Love is a major contributor for a playoff team come the trade deadline, right. and it's the Cavs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I we had this conversation on Lockdown Heat because it's just one of those names that's always been linked uh, as a potential fill in for Miami, a guy who could play great next to Bam as a starter. No, screw that. Leave him as a six-man. He's been fantastic in that role with his playmaking, with his ability to space the floor. He was cooking tonight, as you said, six of 12 from three-point range. And a big part of that was the fact that Randall just kept giving him all this space, going under on screens, et cetera. Uh, Just great combination with Darius Garland, who wound up having 12 assists there. That's a really nice combo, and it worked so well to catch his second team's off guard there. And there just wasn't much of an opportunity there. I mean, as good as the Knicks are defensively, and they have been mostly good all season long, This was not a great matchup for them, although they wound up holding them to less than 100 points. (laughs) Not enough. They beat them by two.
0: Yeah, the Knicks defense actually wasn't bad tonight. But again, not enough Obi Toppin. Just not enough. Uh, I want (laughs) to wrap this up with a question for you. We talked about the Bulls and the Cavs tonight. And I was curious on your perspective, being somebody that covers an Eastern contender, um, as well as kind of I'm the West guy, you're the East guy. Of the two teams, Cavaliers and the Bulls, who do you think is a scarier playoff matchup? Like the Heat will be heavily favored in either of those situations. The Bucks will be heavily favored. The Nets will be heavily favored. The Sixers will be heavily favored versus either of those two teams. But which one do you think is scary? You got DeRozan and Levine and all that offense along with Vucevic and Caruso and Ball. Or you got the Cavaliers with Darius Garland, who I think is making – You know, I was like, oh, he can't be – I was talking about All-NBA today – And Cavs fans were like, you should take a look at Darius Garland and compare him to Van Vliet. And I did and was like, oh, "Oh." Oh. (laughs) he's actually in that conversation. Um, And Evan Mobley and Jared Allen and all these guys. I, I know that it's very unlikely that either of those teams make the conference finals. But of the two teams, the Cavaliers and the Bulls, which is the one that you think probably poses a bigger threat in the East?
1: To me, honestly, I really do think it's the Cavs. And it's not to knock what the Bulls have been able to do. I I think maybe it's an easy argument to say that we know what DeRozan and Vooch have been able to do in the playoffs, which is not much. Uh, You know, a guy like Ball, who's never tasted the playoffs, also uh, not necessarily somebody that you can count on to come up big. Caruso provides a nice edge there, but I mean, he's limited in what he does provide overall. I'd say the Cavs just feel like a team of destiny. And there's that chaos element there that you can't quite predict exactly what they're going to do because they've never really been in this situation while they're young and unproven. Also, these guys just have never had this opportunity to prove themselves at this stage. And yet they're kind of just building something. There's a, I know it's all about the feels, the good vibe, and maybe that's not enough to hang your hat on, but I watch his Cavs teams, and they scare me a lot more than the Bulls do. As somebody who covers the heat, I'm much more concerned about what the Cavs might be able to accomplish, and I think it's it's a team like any of the top seeds would want to avoid facing the Cavs in a first-round matchup, because that's ripe for a a potential upset there. That's going
0: to wrap it up for Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us and making this a part of your week. Really appreciate it. Make sure to check out the... Locked on NBA YouTube channel, where you can find all of our great content along with Locked on now. So many cool things. Check it out. Turn notifications on, hit that subscribe button. Give us those five-star reviews on Spotify or Apple podcasts. Five stars, five stars. stars. (laughs) You can follow David on Twitter at DRammel13. I'm on Twitter at HP Basketball. We'll see you guys again next um, Tuesday for the Monday night recap. You can check out the shows all throughout the week here on Locked on NBA. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked On NBA.